Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Did you know the average person has 40,000 thoughts a day? It can be easy to live feeling stuck in an old mindset or a stalled season of life. If you find yourself in this headspace today, you're not alone. Pastor Rich is sharing the thought, it's time for a mind shift as we dive into week five of our collection of talks, mindsets, new pathways, new results. Exploring three mind shifts that are key to a new mindset. A new mindset doesn't happen overnight, but rather over time. One of the greatest ways we walk out this journey is in Vu Cruise. As we come together, we find freedom in community. Jump in online or in person. You can see all our crews at vuchurch.com slash cruise. Remember, sometimes all it takes is a slight mind shift to receive a fresh outlook. Let's lean into the message together. We are in our fifth week. Someone say fifth week. We are in our fifth week of a collection of talks entitled Mindsets. And uh, I got a couple more messages still left in the tank. Um, I'm preaching again this week and then I've got another message I know I wanna share with you before we get to Single and Secure. But we've been talking about the mind and we've been talking about what is your mind set on? A A mindset is more than just a collection of thoughts. A mindset is a mood, it is an attitude, it is an intention of your life. And I know this, I know that if you want this year to look different than last year, you're gonna have to think different. You're gonna have to have a new mindset. And so we've covered a lot of things. In fact, the first couple of weeks was, I really believe heavy theology about what we believe, about renewing our mind. That's the biblical word about setting our mind on God's word and God's truth. How many of y'all know the enemy is a liar? Yeah, come on, how many of y'all? The enemy is a liar. That's what he does, he wants to lie to you. And one of the reasons why we gather in community is because we want to get the truth into our spirit, the truth into our soul. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Truth doesn't set anybody free. It's knowing, it's obeying, it's applying the truth that sets you free. And so we gather to know it, apply it, obey it, adhere to it. And we've been talking about the truth of God's word. And today, um, I think after the last four weeks, you're in a good place. If you missed any of those messages, go back. They're on YouTube. They're on the podcast, especially those of you watching online that are not a part of our regular community. We've been in cruise talking. By the way, cruise coming back this week, back-to-back weeks. Make some noise for your Boo crew out there. Come on, make some noise for your Boo crew. I'm in crew tomorrow night. And so we, we've been talking about this stuff. And today's message um, is full of biblical um, truth, but it's very, very practical. And I've been waiting to get this message, but I think this is an important message um, for everyone in the house, especially those of you that are trying to step out and be more this year than you were last year. And I wanna look at Mark chapter two to kind of give a foundation, and then uh, I'm gonna preach it like I feel it, and I, and I feel it today. So I got up this morning, and I ran five miles. 4.7 to be exact. My friend Omar posted that we ran five, and he's lying, but... Um, it's 4.7 because I always get the truth. Anyways, um, all right, Mark, Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two. Let's look at this text. This is Jesus's words. Jesus says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. Now watch this. And no one, say no one. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins, but new wine, someone say new wine. 
new wine is for fresh wineskins. And I just have really what I would call, uh, you know, the word prophetic in the Bible. A lot of times you hear the word prophecy and you always think prophecy means prediction. But prophecy doesn't always mean prediction. Many times when a prophet is operating in their office, the prophetic is not just about prediction. Prophetic is about declaration. And I just want to declare something over your life today. And it's my message title. It's a declaration that I'm hoping you're taking this week. My message title is my declaration. It's time for a mind shift. It's time for a mind shift. Will you look at your neighbor and say, it's time for a mind shift. Okay, the other neighbor, I don't know why you didn't go to them first, but we don't have to discuss that. We won't discuss that. Other neighbor, say other neighbor. It's time for a mind shift. In 2005, there was a study done uh, by the Science Foundation. It was an article that came out and pretty much it gave a bunch of studies about the brain. And, and one of the facts that they came back with is that uh, human beings have a range of thoughts, 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day, but, but the average is 40,000 thoughts per day that you and I have. And I'm not saying that you're average, most of you are above average, but um, we have a lot of thoughts. Here's what's very, very interesting that the research came back with, they, they learned that out of these, let's just call it 40,000, 80% of these thoughts were negative. Just like, that's just kind of to me, like a, a wild concept in itself that I'm having thousands and thousands of thoughts, but more than the majority are negative thoughts. You ever notice that it's like, it's always easier to go negative than it is to go positive. It's always easy to trend towards darkness than it is to trend towards the light. I think that there's a theological framework for that as well, that we are born into sin. That's why we needed a savior. We don't need a philosopher. We don't just need a teacher. We certainly don't need a leadership guru. We need a savior to save us from ourselves because left to myself, I'm going dark. I'm going negative 80% of the time. Here's what else they learned about the 40,000 thoughts. 80% of those thoughts are negative. Watch this, 95% of those thoughts that you have each day are repetitive thoughts from the day before. So there's something about humanity that loves to go negative, And there's something about humanity that loves to play the broken record over and over and over again. Give me a show of hands for all the people that get onto one song and that song becomes your song. Yeah, okay, yep. I'm right there with you. No shame in that. No shame in that, you know? Like how many times are we gonna listen to this song, bro? Until I get sick of it, you know? And it's 52 more weeks. Um, <laughs> There's a side of us that we just have the same repetitive thoughts. What we've learned about the brain, we, we mentioned this in week one, is that the brain is full of brain waves, but these brain waves, these wrinkles in our brain are like pathways. And once you've walked down a certain pathway, it's easier to walk down it again. That this shouldn't be that like brilliant or huge of a concept. How many know like once you start to form a habit, once you start going to the gym, it becomes easier to go to the gym. Once you deny DiGiorno pizza 10 times in a row, it's getting way too personal. <laughs> it becomes easier and easier. Once you start to train your brain to think positive, to think faith, going down the faith route is easier than it was before. Look at what Mark Twain said. This is, this is a quote that I came across not too long ago in my study. I think this is beautiful. Mark Twain, the great English writer, he says, what a wee little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. All day long, the mill of his brain is grinding and his thoughts, not those other things, are his history. 
All he's doing is confirming what we're talking about, that these thoughts are showing up in my life. And the enemy wants to attack you over and over again, not with always some external threat. More often than not, it's an internal threat. It's a battlefield of the mind. And we as believers, we have to know how to fight back. We have to know how to tear down the stronghold. What's the stronghold? It's something that's blocking God's truth from getting into my life. I have to pay attention to those things because if I don't get rid of the stronghold, negative things, addictions, behaviors show up in my life. That's why the real you is right in between your ears. It's what you're thinking about. Proverbs says, whatever a man thinks, so is he. You are your thoughts. And here is this thought that I gave last week that I wanna lean into a little bit more this week. I want you to write this down. If you didn't get it last week, please write it down today. Don't ruin a new thing with an old mindset. God, I believe this. I just wanna declare this over your life. God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to work in you in ways that he's never worked before. But if you're ever gonna become the new you, you're gonna have to change your brain. You're gonna have to think new thoughts. You have to think God thoughts. This is really, in so many ways, Jesus in our passage today is really talking about the new covenant. He's talking about the fact that, hey, I've come and y'all religious people aren't ready for me, the new covenant. You're not ready for me. You're used to a system of works. You're used to a system of law, but I've come in grace and truth. And I've come not just to eradicate the old law. I've come to establish a brand new covenant, one of relationship, but people couldn't handle it. And so he tries to give them metaphorical language. He says, nobody takes a brand new piece of cloth and uses it as a patch on an old pair of jeans or an old pair of fabric. Because once it's washed, that fabric's gonna shrink and it's gonna tear open in the fabric. He says in the same way, no one puts brand new wine into old wineskins because the new wine is going to expand and it's going to burst the wineskin. He's trying to say, if you don't think a new thought about me, every time you encounter me, I'm going to blow up your world. I'm going to break your box. How many know Jesus breaks our box? How many know Jesus, he's much bigger than our little framework. He's much bigger than our mind. He's much bigger than our thoughts. He's the God who's higher than, bigger than. And we have to say, God, I don't want to ruin the new thing with an old way of thinking, with 80% negativity, 95% repetition. God, what's the new thing you're speaking to me? This new thing that he's doing in our life, it's not that he has a new word for our life. It's that it becomes a fresh word. It's a fresh word. It's a living word. And the reality is, is that humanity has never, ever done good with change. Everyone's up for change until something changes. <laughs> I just go throughout history, like <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles were all kind of, when the ideas came around, just go through the history. It's like everyone pushes back. We're not ready for that. I was reading the story about the man, the first guy in United Kingdom or in London who, who brought a, an umbrella from, from France. And they said that as he walked the streets, this is in the 1700s, as he walked the streets of London with an umbrella, they hurled things at him because they believed that umbrellas were not manly. What? You know, like, how dare you carry an umbrella? You know, and this guy's like, I'm not getting rained on today, you know? It's because the mind gets so, so locked into a pattern. And really, if we're gonna be honest, if we just study a little bit of church history, a religious mind, whew, that's a scary one. 
I mean, I don't know if you know this, but like Copernicus had this idea that, yo, like the sun's not revolving around us, we're revolving around the sun. And then Galileo, a hundred years later, starts speaking and teaching his writings and the Catholic church makes him recant what he said, even though it's truth. Why? Because there's something in us that we can become rigid and we get comfortable with the same. And Jesus is saying, if you just get comfortable with the same, you're gonna miss out on the new fresh thing that I'm doing in your life. It is time for a mind shift. Just a mind shift. I think sometimes in life, it's just little tiny shifts that we need to make. We have been laying down a theological framework for the last four weeks. But today, I wanted to show you a few little shifts that you need to make, some language for you to think about a couple situations differently. And I believe it will make a big difference. I, I got a, a confession to make and some of you are, maybe will leave the church after this. Um, I don't know how to drive a manual car. There's four dudes who are like, I can't follow that man. Nope, no, no, you can't drive. I, I only know how to drive an automatic. Um, I don't know how to shift gears. Uh, I know I'm not proud of this. I've been wanting to tell you for many years, but here I am now. And uh, I hope you'll still have me, okay? Uh, in fact, the last time I tried to drive a stick shift was like 10 years ago. And it was my buddy's Jeep. And I was like, I have a Jeep, but it's automatic. Let me, let me, let me try yours. And um, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you can't shift gears, you stall. I, I don't know, like, there's few things in life that make you feel more dumb than that, you know? You're like at the stoplight, it's like, I couldn't get it started because I couldn't simply shift the gears. Many times in life, this is what happens to us. Because we can't shift, because we can't change, we stall. And I wonder if there's some people in God's house today that there's some areas and categories of your life you're going, I don't know why I'm at a stall. I don't know why I can't progress. I don't know why I can't move forward. Maybe it's because God is trying to bring new wine, but all you have is old wineskins. Maybe God's trying to bring something new, but you haven't shifted gears. You haven't stepped in to the new. You haven't stepped in to the next. Someone say it's time for a mind shift. Just a simple little adjustment. I wanna give you three mind shifts that I think are so important if we're gonna step into the new thing that God's doing. The first mind shift is this idea that you have to shift from a concerned mindset to a confident mindset. This is really, really important, especially as people of God, that we don't walk around with this concerned state of mind. In 2022, Everybody you talk to, it seems like they are living in what I call worry world. You know what worry world is, right? It's a theme park. And um, <laughs> worry world is that place where your negative, toxic, dark imagination where everything always, every time happens. Oh, I'm never gonna get married. I got married, he's gonna leave me. She's cheating, she's cheating. My kids, oh, they're, they're never gonna follow God. Oh, my business, we'll never make it. Oh, we're, def we're, definitely, we're definitely gonna fail. We're definitely gonna fail. We're gonna fail, we're gonna fail. I'm gonna be late to work. I'm late, I'm late. I knew it, the traffic, we're late. Uh, you just, whatever worry comes to your mind, you click on it and you live there. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how God gives us this thing called an imagination, but he gives us the free will to decide, are we gonna let that be controlled by fear or faith? See, as children of God, 
if we're gonna be who he's called us to be, we cannot pay the entrance fee into worry world. It will always leave us depleted and it will never ever help us step into the things that God has for us. It's called a concerned mindset. Now, I just wanna be very careful. There's a difference between a concerned mindset and a cautious mindset. Yeah. A concerned mindset, you know, is based on fear. A cautious mindset, which I'm all about, is based upon facts. I, I do not submit to our congregation that just uh, any crazy idea that comes to your mind is from God. In fact, if your idea doesn't line up with what God has already said, I'm gonna call you a heretic. <laughs> well, the Lord told me I'm supposed to leave my wife. No, 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 you, 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 you're wrong, bro, you're wrong. No, it's, this is wild faith. No, that, that, you're right, that is wild, that's out of control. Um, I think sometimes people do dumb stuff and then they blame God for it. So like, I'm not, I actually believe that we should confront the brutal facts. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what's in front of me. But am I gonna operate out of fear or am I gonna operate out of faith? Am I gonna operate with a concerned mindset or am I gonna operate with a confident mindset? We've already talked about it, that fear doesn't come from God. God doesn't put fear inside of you. So any area of your life that's riddled by fear, you actually have to tear down that stronghold and say, God, I need your truth in my life. I love what the apostle Paul says. This is so good. If you don't know this verse, this is one of those verses that if you're gonna memorize a verse this year, some of you, you went through all of last year, you didn't memorize one verse. Here's one verse you can memorize. Okay, let's just start with one, you know? Someone like, ha ha, I memorized four. No, you didn't. All right, here we go. Just, just start with one. Start with one at least, okay? This is a good one. Philippians chapter one, verse six. I just, that's a little, that's a little in your crew this week. In fact, put it in the minutia if you're watching. Put it in the crew week. This week, they're memorizing this verse. We're gonna do all church scripture memorization. Here we go. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's one of those verses that whether I shouted it, whether I spoke it clearly, if you see it and you follow Jesus, you ought to say, amen. There we go, amen. I agree with that. Being confident of this, that he who began the good work in me will carry it out unto completion. Here's what's fascinating. This word complete is the same word that Jesus uses from the cross when he says, it is finished. So when Jesus hung from the cross and declared out loud for all of us that he had broken the curse of sin, that the new wine had come, that no longer is it a religious system, but now through relationship with Jesus, we can have right standing with God and we can walk boldly into his presence and we can worship him. When he says it is finished, it's the same word that Paul's using, it's completed. I know it doesn't feel complete yet, but you can trust in the same God who declared it's finished, that whatever he started in your life, I'm telling you what, he's gonna finish it. This gives me confidence, because I didn't call myself to this job. He did. And if he called me, he's got to finish it. God started something in your life, and whatever he starts, you can take it to the bank that that God is going to finish it. He's the God who completes things. Somebody give him praise right now. It might not be done yet, but he will complete it. I'm confident of this. Now what's amazing is that the Apostle Paul who writes this, guess where he writes it from? 
a prison. I think the context matters because he's not in the mansion. He's not high on Bitcoin and sold at the top. He's in a deep, deep circumstantial valley. He is in a prison cell. And most of us would say, that's a good time to be concerned. That's a good time that most of us would buy a ticket to worry world and go, I wonder what's going to happen next. It's probably going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse because I'm in worry world, but not Paul. He has this confident mindset. He's, he set his mind on Christ. And Paul the apostle, just so you know a little bit about his story, because I think it's important as you read things like this, he was like a zealous Jew before he, in fact, he persecuted Christians. So just, by the way, if you've made some mistakes, something tells me you're still a great candidate to be used by God. I don't think you've killed Christians, you know, like, well, Rich, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk later, but the apostle Paul was killing Christians and he becomes maybe the greatest apostle we ever saw. But the apostle Paul, before he met Jesus, he was a zealous Jew. He was a Pharisee. And to be a Pharisee, you had to commit yourself to memory. I know some of us this week, our, our goal, we're gonna memorize this one verse. Um, but Pharisees, like in some cases, would memorize the entire Torah, the entire Old Testament. And any Jew that was reading this and hearing this from Paul, three words would quickly pop out in their mind and they would see it. The words would be the words begun. The, the words would be complete. And the very words would be, uh, he who began it, the word would be good. These three words, begun, good, and complete would pop out. Why? Because they would go right back to Genesis. And what they would see is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He completed it. He finished it. And then he created things and said, it is good. And when he got to you and I, he said, it is very good. And they would have all seen this and quickly go, wait a minute. The God of the cosmos, the God of the heavens and the universe is the very God who is at work in my life. Therefore, I am going to be confident that if he completed the heavens and the earth, he will finish my story. Inhale confidence, exhale doubt. Inhale confidence, exhale doubt. Well, Rich, how do I, how, where does this confidence come from? This confidence doesn't come from your strength. You don't walk out of here going, that's great, man. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna crush it in business because I'm so confident. I'm gonna crush it in life because I'm so talented. That's not what we do as believers. That's not where our mindset is. The reason why we're confident is because we're not confident in ourselves. We're confident in Christ Jesus. Same guy, Paul writes, Philippians chapter four, verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ. Not, not through me, not through my resources, not through my personality. I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. He's being very, very clear that his confidence is coming from Christ. I wanna say the same thing to you and I, that yo, listen, a concerned mindset is built on fear. A cautious mindset is built on facts, but a confident mindset is built on faith. And that faith is not in what I can do. That faith is rooted in the truth of who Jesus is. Please write this down. Facts can't change the truth, but the truth can change the facts. Because you and I as believers, we don't live according to facts, we live according to truth. The fact is you might feel alone, but the truth is you are not alone. <laughs> the fact, 
might feel like, hey, yo, I'm, I'm losing, but the truth is, no, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The fact might feel like, yo, I'm gonna lose it all, but the truth says, no, 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 my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It is just a shift that we have to make. I'm gonna shift my cares into prayers. I'm gonna shift my worry into worship. I'm gonna shift all of my petitions into praise. I'm gonna shift my stress into supplication for God. I'm gonna shift my vision into victory, and I'm certainly gonna shift my concerns into confidence in Christ Jesus. Come on, is there anybody in the room today that's confident in Christ? It's a mind shift. I'm not called to live in fear. I'm not called to live in worry. I'm reminded that the God who started things is the same God who finishes things. And whatever he has started in your life, you trust in him. You cling to him. You build your life on him. Not on the facts, but on the truth. On the truth. The first mind shift is shifting from a concerned mindset to a confident mindset. But the second one, this is really good for our church. I want you to this year shift from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset from scarcity to abundance. Scarcity mindset is a very, very scary thing. And I oftentimes, uh, I see it not just in the world. I see a lot of times even uh, brothers and sisters in Christ operating this way. And it is so detrimental because a scarcity mindset ultimately comes down to this just concept that I'll I'll never have enough. That could be resources, that could be emotions, uh, that could be relationships. And so we live our life just full of fear and we live our life holding back and we don't step out in faith to receive what God could do. Instead, we just try to hoard what we already have. And and there's a massive difference between a a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. Let let me just kind of just break some of this stuff down. Uh, Scarcity thinking uh, over and over again in our life says this idea that there will never be enough. But an abundance mindset, an abundance thinking is there will always be more. There there will always be more. Scarcity uh, competes to stay on top, but abundance collaborates to stay on top. We work together. Scarcity is stingy, but I mean, abundance is, is generous. Generosity, by the way, just by definition, is not about giving what's required. It's about always giving more than what's required. What are the requirements? I wanna go above and beyond that. That's what a generous person does. That's a person with an abundance mindset. Uh, scarcity holds knowledge, but abundance shares knowledge. You ever meet people, it's like they got the answers, but they won't give you the answers because they just want to keep it for themselves. That's not who you are as a believer. You're somebody who shares the wisdom that God's given you because it was given to you. And so you freely I've received, so freely I give. Scarcity is selfish towards others, but abundance, watch this, serves others. People who serve have an abundance mindset. Watch this. Scarcity is suspicious. I wonder what they're here for. I wonder what they're doing. What's, what's going on? Oh, I didn't, where, where have they been? Okay. All right. What, what is, I wonder what they're saying. Wonder, ooh, okay. Just checking things out. But abundance believes the best about people. How many know when the younger brother comes back in Luke 15, the older brother, he's like, he don't even, he hadn't even talked to his brother yet. Go back and read the text. And he's like, dad, how come you're giving him the fattened calf and throwing a party? He was out with, with prostitutes. He was out wild living. And I'm like, where in the text does it say that he had ever been with prostitutes? The older brother is just assuming that that's what the younger brother was doing. In fact, maybe he was projecting about some things he was struggling with, but that's another story. Um, That's not who we are in the body of Christ. We have an abundance mindset that we are gonna assume the best about people. We're gonna speak to people's potential. 
Scarcity fears being replaced, but abundance strives to grow. Scarcity believes the pie is shrinking and abundance believes the pie is always growing. What I want you to see, the best illustration I can give you for a scarcity mindset is a closed fist. Some of us, even in this room today, I can preach to you about renewing your mind, but maybe this is the picture that you're looking for. A lot of us are living life like this. We're going through life and we're hoarding and we're hanging on to what we got because we're so afraid of losing what we got. This could apply to so many areas. This could apply to really good things that God's blessed you with. Your family, you're hoarding, you're hoarding it and hanging on to it like this. Your finances, your resources, your ideas, your strategies, your skills, your personality, your treasures, just go through the list. But this is the picture. I gotta cling to it, I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it, I gotta keep it, I gotta keep it. But abundance mindset is not a closed fist, it's an open hand. Because look at this, with an open hand, yes, I risk things falling away, I risk things leaving, but I also open myself up to receiving more that God has for me. Come on, God wants to bless you with more, but your hand is closed. This is all I need. All right, that's all you're gonna get. But what tends to happen is any area of our life that we cling to it and try to hoard it, it doesn't grow, it doesn't flourish. It has to be released, it has to be sown, it has to be given, it has to go from scarcity to abundance. And here's what I know about a scarcity mindset. It will always keep you poor. You'll never have enough. You'll never ever be in a place that you can put your shoulders back and you can breathe because you will be walking around clinging and striving and hoarding. Look at what King David said in Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Whoo, I like that. I lack nothing. Got everything I need in Jesus. Eugene Peterson says, you got everything that you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If I have Jesus, I have everything. This is a mindset that you have to take on. But if this is not your mindset, you walk around with a closed fist and you hoard all that God's given you and you miss out on the new blessings he wants to do in your life. And all throughout the scripture, we see this over and over again, that our God is not the God of scarcity. Our God is the God of abundance. Our God is not the God of enough. Come on, somebody. He's the God of more than enough. What happens when he takes five loaves and two fish? He feeds thousands of people. But then if you read the story, there's 12 baskets left over. Your mom at Thanksgiving did not create leftovers. Jesus invented that as well. He's the God of leftovers. He's trying to show you like, if you'll trust me, I will always have more than enough for you. But if you just try to cling, you miss it. Is he your shepherd or is he not? In the Old Testament, God was constantly getting on to the Israelites because they were wandering and they were trusting in themselves instead of trusting him. They had a scarcity mindset. That's why when he led them out of Egypt and they found themselves in the wilderness wandering, he sent from heaven this bread called manna. Very, very cool thing. Every morning they'd wake up and there would be manna all over the ground. And he had one command. The command was take just enough for that day. But what happened to Israelites like you and me had a scarcity mindset. They didn't just take enough for the day. They took more than enough for the day. They tried to put it in their tents and they tried to keep it for the week because they were wondering, will God show up again tomorrow? 
Can I trust this God to be faithful again the next day? You know what? I know he's good, but let me just keep more than enough and let me just hoard enough for my family. I gotta feed my kids. I gotta feed my spouse. I gotta feed my family. But what happens is the next morning they wake up and God sees it and he rebukes them. And not only that, all of that which they took was spoiled. I wonder for some of us, in all of our striving, I wonder if our scarcity mindset is spoiling the leftovers. It, the story in the Bible is not about, hey, don't save. And the story in the Bible is not you know, coming against stewardship. The story in the Bible is about total dependence upon God. It's about a mindset that if God told me something, will I obey him and will I trust him? He's the God of more than enough. Therefore, I wanna have an abundance mindset that there will be more manna tomorrow. Can I just speak that to you right now? If God was faithful before the pandemic, he's gonna be faithful again after the pandemic. If God blessed your marriage before the pandemic, he's gonna bless you after. You can trust this God. He's good. He has it all. More than enough, he holds the whole world in his hands. He hadn't forgotten about you and he is your shepherd. If he's your shepherd, you can boldly say, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I have everything I need in Jesus. Do not give too much attention to a condition. Conditions come and go, but a mindset that stays with you. I've said it before, but it's like, yo, I, I've been broke before. Anyone ever been broke? <laughs> no one in the 9 a.m., praise God, okay. That's <laughs> where so all the rich people at Boo Church go, you know, never been poor. I, I, I've, been, I've been broke, I've been broke, I've been broke, I've been broke, broke. I've, um, I've gone to the debit card and it's negative and you get, it's like that cost me to borrow. Um, I've been there. I've been broke, but listen to me, I have never been poor. Why? Because broke is a condition, poor is a mindset. Two totally different things. I have been down, but there hadn't been a day in my life that I was defeated. I have been scared, but it didn't stop me from moving forward. I have felt afraid and I didn't know what the next step was. But with God's help and with God's grace, I believe that he's got more than enough in store for me. So we will keep on taking ground. Abundance, it's a mindset that's all about learning how to be rich with or without money. It comes from gratitude. Because gratitude, my fears disappear and abundance, it appears. It appears in my life. God, God has more than enough. We gotta move and shift from scarcity to abundance. Someone say, it's time for a mind shift. Last one, last one. It's time for a mind shift. We gotta go from concern to confident, scarcity to abundance. I love this. We have to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. This is so, so important for everyone in this room to remember that you are becoming, you are not there yet. You are on the way. Relax. God's working on you. He started something in you. He's gonna complete it. You keep walking out your journey. You can be struggling and becoming at the same time. I'm struggling. That doesn't stop you from becoming. Keep setting your mind on Him. God, make me new. I want the new thing, the fresh thing that you're doing. I want you to, to do it in my life. And God, I wanna give you something to work with here. 
God's always doing something new. As Isaiah says in 40, chapter 43, verse 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's doing a new thing. Go throughout the Old Testament. God's always doing a new thing. But I think sometimes people get fixed on the old thing. His word does not change, but I believe that he shows up and manifests himself in new and fresh ways. It's 2022 and I don't know, I think God uses social media. I think God uses technology. But can you imagine if our mind was still set on the ways that he moved in the Old Testament? You know, there's a story in the Bible that God, he speaks through a donkey. What if an entire group of people is like, that's it. Bring the donkeys in, bring the donkeys in. Which one today is gonna speak? Like, no, you missed it. He was doing something fresh. Or what about Moses? He encounters God with a burning bush. What if like there was a whole movement around, like let's get burning bushes on the stage, light it, light it, light it. Nah, nothing today, you know? These were just different ways that he manifested and showed up. His word does not change, but many times the mechanism of how he comes to us and shares to us, it's a fresh thing. I think God's doing something fresh at Vu Church. I think God is ministering to us in brand new ways, but we've gotta be new to receive the new. God, speak to me. God, use me. The thing with God is that he wants you to have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. Because if you have a fixed mindset, you just stay stuck. It's just the same problems every year. It's the same thing every year. It's the same issues, just the same. Because I'm fixed, I'm fixed. Every mistake, that, that's my identity. It's not your identity. You're growing, you're, you're becoming, you get back up, you, you move forward. And Jesus, 90 some percent of all of his parables were all agricultural parables, which is hard for us because we don't live in an agricultural society. We live in a technological society. But how many know there's a big difference between a seed mindset and a light switch mindset? Seeds, they take time. A light switch happens instantly. But we as God's followers and believers, we have to let go of the instant gratification and we must submit to the delayed satisfaction. Going, God, I'm gonna trust that you're doing something in my life over time. So God, I'm, I'm growing, I'm, I'm becoming. I know you can't all see it, but there's seed in the ground and seed goes into the dirt. Some of you today, you're like, yo, if my life feels like dirt. Good, good. That's a great indicator that you got some seed in the ground and it's a matter of time before a harvest begins to reap in your life. Dirt is an indicator, dirt is needed. Listen to what the brother of James, this is so good. I gotta go from fixed to growth. James chapter five, verse seven. Be patient. Everyone say, be patient. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. What's powerful about this word patient, because to me, the key word in my life, if I'm gonna go from fixed to growth, is this word patience. But this word patience, when it's used, it's this Greek word that's used some 32 times in the New Testament. And the word is hupomone. And this word shows up 32 different times in the New Testament. And it's used for words like endurance and patience. And it's got such a beautiful definition that I came across. I just, I think it will encourage you. Cause when James is saying 
be patient. He's saying be hupomone. And it really means a triumphal fortitude. And watch this. It is far more than patience. It is the triumphant adequacy which can cope with life. It is the strength which does not only accept things, but which in accepting them transforms them into glory. Come on, somebody, let's give God praise. And if I'm gonna shift from fixed to growth, I need to have this triumphal fortitude that Christ Jesus has started something in me. Christ Jesus has more than enough. I don't have to cling, I don't have to hoard. I can have an open hand, but Lord, I'm growing and I'm becoming. And so I take on a new mindset today. Lord, even when I fall, I get back up. Even though I, 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 I fall on the ground, Lord, I'm not defeated in you. I just need to make a shift. That word shift, it means to replace with something else, or it means to add, or it means to change positions. Some of us today, your dream, your calling, the thing that Lord's spoken to you for 2022, it feels really impossible. It feels, it's impossible, Rich. I can't, can't do it, it's too big. But I just wanna encourage you. It's just a, it's a little shift. It's just one gear up that you get progress, that you get forward momentum. Just a little shift, just a little change, a little adjustment. Because the same word impossible with a shift says, I'm possible. And through Christ Jesus, I'm telling you what, you are possible. Everything he's called you to becomes possible. There's nothing impossible for God. So what's impossible for God? Nothing. Nothing's impossible. So the only thing that's impossible for him is nothing. He can do it in your life. He's a faithful God, but it requires a mind shift. A mind shift. Today, I'm believing that people are moving from concern to confidence, scarcity to abundance, and fixed to growth. He wants to bring new wine, but you have to have a new wineskin. This is the gospel. I don't know if you know it, but it's a really beautiful story that Jesus Christ, he came in the form of a man born 2,000 years ago and lived a spotless, sinless life. And then he takes your place. He shifts places with you. Through the night, I was sleeping in bed with my son, Wild, and my son, Wyatt. And uh, I tend to sleep in the middle of them. And so they're on the outside. But late in the middle of the night, I hear this screaming and this crying. I look down and Wild has fallen off the bed. So I pick the boy up. I comfort him. I say, I'm so sorry, buddy. And this time when I pick him up, I shift places and I put him on the inside and I sleep on the outside. And in many ways, this is exactly what Jesus did for us at the cross, ladies and gentlemen, that he picked us up out of our sin, out of our fallen place and said, I will shift places with you. I will die on that cruel cross, but then I'm gonna put you on the inside. That now when God the Father looks down upon his humanity, he doesn't see you, he sees me. And every threat and every enemy has to go through me. You're not falling off again. I'm gonna hold you safe in this place. You are secure in my presence. It's a shift. It's the gospel shift. And because he made a shift, guess what? You and I today, we can shift our mind. We can think a new thought, a new thought. Would you bow your heads all over this place? God, we thank you today, Lord, that you're working. We thank you today, Jesus, that you're moving in your house. 
God, I just pray for people all over this room today, Lord. People going through different things, Lord. People facing different things. Lord, I pray that today, God, we would not ruin a new thing with an old mindset. God, open us up today, Lord. We surrender today, Lord. We want your thoughts. We want your ways. God, we want your mindset. Lord, today we set our mind on things above, on good things, on Christ Jesus, on the gospel. Lord, today we have this hope in you, Lord. God, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, people that are struggling today with worry and fear. Today, Lord, I pray that you'd breathe life into them, confidence in them. That, Lord, you would encourage them, not in their strength, but in your strength. That you are a good God, a big God, a God who's never let anybody down. God, I pray for people that are, that are clinging, that are hoarding, Lord. That this year would be the year that they'd open up their hands, Lord. That they'd live a life, Lord, of abundance. Jesus, you said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. So, Lord, we can't live with a scarcity mindset and step into the Zoe life that you promised us. So, Lord, we surrender and we open up our hands and we surrender it all to you, believing that you're the God of more than enough. But Lord, I pray for people, God, that have gotten fixed on a mistake, fixed on an area, stuck somewhere. The dream hasn't happened fast enough. The breakthrough hasn't come. The miracle hasn't happened. And now today, Lord, they're stuck, Lord, in a mindset, God, that's keeping them stale. But today, Lord, I pray that you'd breathe life to them. Remind them that they are becoming. And like the farmer plants the seed, it's only over time that we reap the harvest. So Lord, we allow the dirt to do the work. We allow the rain, Lord, to begin to minister in our lives. Lord, we endure, God, believing that something good is coming out of it. God, give us this hoopamone, Lord, this patience, this endurance, Lord, to last, to stand strong, to weather the storm. God, we know that we can today because you took our place. So, Lord, minister to us and remind us once again of this truth. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and your head's bowed and your eyes are closed and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. This God, he loves you and he's for you. And it just starts with a relationship. It just starts with you putting your trust and your faith in him. If that's you, would you just be bold today on the count of three? Would you lift your hand up high enough and long enough to say, Rich, that's me. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just lift it up. That's me. If that's you online right now. That's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Church, can we just stand to our feet? No one's moving for a moment. Just a sacred moment. I just want to lead us in a simple prayer. I want the whole church to pray this prayer. The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. This is the new wine that we can receive as we change our minds about Jesus, as we repent and say, God, we believe you are who you said that you are. As we finish this prayer, can we just take a moment? Can we just respond in worship? Can we just connect our hearts to heaven as we sing praises to the one true King who loves us, who has a plan for us? Pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, today, Lord, I believe that you are good and that you have good plans for me. Today, I repent from my ways and I turn towards you. I put my trust in you. I believe in you, Jesus. Forgive me. I want relationship with you. Today, Jesus, I set my mind on you. Change me from the inside out. I give you my past. I give you my present. Lord, I even give you my future. I want to follow you, Jesus. Today, I've made a decision. I'm shifting 
my mind. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise all over this house. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we were meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present. And I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus, we want to partner with you in your next steps of your faith journey. Go to vuchurch.com slash online. We love you. We'll see you soon.